0: Welcome to A Novel Evening, in the podcast where I chat with authors, fellow book bloggers, uh, just general bookworms all about their perfect fictional fantasy evening. Uh, that could be a dinner party with a select few characters. Um, it could be a grand soiree with some of their all-time favourite authors, uh, Dead or Alive. And for this episode, I am joined by Megan Bannon, whose debut novel... The Undertaking of Heart and Mercy is absolutely taking Bookstagram by storm. Um, Honestly, it's such a fun book. If you love a fantasy, uh, shit, I don't know if it's a debut. A big hello to Zen. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for, for joining me. This is super exciting. How are you doing today? I'm really good. Thank you. Good, good it's i feel like it's starting to feel very autumnal now i feel like yeah
1: definitely where
0: we i've got candles lit while we're chatting there.
1: yeah <laughs> i was googling candles. pumpkin recipes yesterday um
0: even though i feel that's kind of a more of an american thing but still yeah we don't tend to like eat a lot of pumpkin i did try one year i tried to make pumpkin pie it was not great oh. <laughs> yeah and i tried to like roast the seeds with like, right yeah yeah I, I like pumpkin um, seeds yeah yeah, they were okay. Well, like... we eat
1: them. We eat them quite a lot in Asia. Pumpkin seeds and sunflower oh, yeah. seeds. Yeah, in the yeah. shells as well, because it's oh. like getting them out of the shells is part of the fun.
0: Oh, yeah. It was a, it was a lot of work. I would rather just get them already made. than like, <laughs> <laughs> It was a lot of effort for like a handful of seeds. I, like, oh.
1: yeah, I can see that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> day of my life spent like scooping this thing out. You have got to dry them. But yeah, I do I really like pumpkin pie, but I do think the Americans use the tin stuff a lot more, don't they? They like it's uh, probably
1: it probably makes it easier, doesn't it? I've made sweet potato pie, which is which is really nice. It's a similar vibe, you know, because it's kind of orange and sweet, and then you could put spices in. Yeah. And then it's it's quite it's very soothing. Um but I was looking at like savory pumpkin recipes actually. I think pumpkin's really good in savory recipes, like Grotin, so they're like really nice in that,
0: yeah. I mean, we waste so much. I mean, I'm sure it's global with Halloween, but so much <laughs> pumpkin just gets thrown in the bin, and I'm really aware of it. So, ch- yeah, I think trying to use some of your pumpkin is a really good idea
1: <laughs> rather <laughs> than just
0: scooping it. That's our it. message
1: just for sustainability's sake, please use yeah. your pumpkin, eat it, please
0: do something with them, um... compost it. Yeah, yes. So, I'm gonna neatly segue into your novel Blackwater Sister because I think it's kind of it's kind of got those Halloweeny vibes I think yeah, it's a yeah. really good read for this time of year when you want to spook yourself just a little bit Yes uh, so tell tell our listener for anyone who hasn't read it Give me a brief lowdown of Blackwater's Sister. Right. Um,
1: Blackwater Sister is about Jessamine Theo, who's a young woman who's grown up in America, but her parents are from Malaysia, and they're all moving back to Malaysia. Um, when she starts hearing the voice of... Um, her dead grandmother in her head. Um, and her dead grandmother, Ama, was in life the priestess of a mysterious goddess called the Blackwater Sister. And Jess gets pulled into all kinds of adventures involving this goddess and involving gangsters, ghosts, um, gods, and, and grandmas, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's what Blackwater Sister is about. It's kind of like... Um, it's like a family drama with gods and ghosts and spirit mediums um, and quite a lot of humor as well.
0: There's so much humor. It's very dark humor, which I love. I do love really dark humor. And it is quite, I mean, the Blackwater sister is a goddess. It's pretty scary.
1: She is pretty scary. Yeah. She's not like a nice goddess. Like she's no. pretty. Yeah.
0: Where did this inspiration come from? Where did you get this idea to work? Because I'm. this is based on true folklore, isn't it? A lot of right. it.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah true true it, It's based on a a, a living religious tradition and it it's it's the faith tradition in which I was brought up um although my parents converted to Christianity a few years ago and I've always felt vaguely felt um they did it partly because Christianity is less scary um
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I was say.
1: <laughs> so so you know um so I grew up in kind- in kind of this fairly syncretic mix of kind of um you know in the Malaysian chinese community um following like Taoism buddhism but then also this kind of chinese folk religion um and um and spirit mediums is kind of part part of that you know like um you can go to the temple and ask to speak to a spirit medium and it'll be just some guy and he will get possessed by a god and then you can ask the gods questions you know you can say you know Stuff hasn't been going well for me, or you know, I'm, I have this mysterious sickness, and then he'll kind of give you advice. He might give you some charms to kind of you know deal with the illness, or he might tell you to go to the doctor. It really depends. Um, so, so I grew up with this. Um, although my mum was always very scared of spirit, spirit mediums because yeah. you know, like, I mean, I mean, talking to a kind of a god on earth is pretty—it's pretty scary stuff. You don't want to offend them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I never saw a spirit medium. In, practice myself although you can actually Google lots of kind of YouTube videos wow. which can be quite unnerving um to watch um and um I mean I, I told some of my Malaysian friends that you know the research I'd done for this book included watching these and they're like aren't you worried when you watch these videos you'll get possessed yourself and I was like well I, I wasn't worried.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I am worried
1: thank you um but yeah, so, so I wouldn't say I'm completely a believer, but that's, yeah. you know, that is the tradition I was brought up in. But my parents are very superstitious. Um, and so they never really explained um, all these, you know, all these traditions. We so just go to temple, pray and then leave. Um, and so the inspiration for Blackwater Sister, though, came when I read this book um, by Professor Jean D. Bernardi, who's an anthropologist. And she went to Penang in Malaysia, where the book is set she went in the 1980s and did field research into Chinese folk religion and spirit mediumship um, there. And she, and she wrote a book called, well, she wrote two books, actually, but the one I, I really kind of um, found and kind of really um, gave me the most inspiration for this book, direct inspiration, is called The Way That Lives in the Heart. And it's uh, it's literally just, um, yeah, it's just like a, a like an account of her research there and kind of her conversations with spirit mediums and kind of a description of the underlying mythos, the, the un- underlying kind of like narrative under these practices. You know, a lot of the gods, for example, are from Chinese history or they're from Chinese literature. Um, and what I found that book did was that it kind of explained a lot of things that I kind of grown up around and never had explained to me. And also, it gave me a kind of intellectual framework for this tradition, and I just thought it's, it was just really interesting. And I thought, you know, the the kind of the whole thing with spirit mediums as well was was just so, so fascinating. And I thought there's definitely a book, and so Blackwater Sister became that book.
0: Ah, oh, it's it's to me, it's it's so fascinating. I think because it's so far out of the realms here in the UK that we are used to. You know, I, I do know people who are very you know uh, superstitious, but as a general rule. Uh, We tend to be you know we don't tend to put much store in things like superstitions or folklore or and I mean we do have it here in the UK there's a lot of folklore based within our lives that we probably don't realize but I think it's fascinating when you see you know whole cultures where people completely are absorbed by this it's part of their day to day life. In a way that I don't think we, certainly I have never experienced or I I think I ever will experience. And I think it's interesting. You say, you know, you grew up around this, but it was never sort of explained to you the kind of history or reasonings behind it. When you were kind of doing your research, were you, was there anything that kind of took you by surprise? Was there anything you hadn't expected to kind of discover?
1: Um. I think the things that really stick in my head are surprising, because, I, you know, when, when I read it, it really felt, the book, it really felt like a homecoming in lots of ways, because it was more like, oh, yeah, I know, I know about that, or like, yeah, that sounds like something, you know, one of my relatives would say, um, and that explains what my mom said that one time, you know, so, so it, was, it was more that kind of feeling, um, which is really nice to get in a book, right? Um uh, so the things that I remember being surprised about <laughs> are things that are really quite obscure. So I'd, I'm not sure listeners will really <laughs> necessarily like get why it was surprising. So an example I'm going to give it, even though um, unless you're actually you're actually familiar with the, yeah. the pantheon, you probably won't find it that surprising. Um, is um, one thing I found out that so the king of the underworld is called Yama. Mm-hmm. and he's very terrifying and he's got this you know he's got like kind of a blue face um blue black face and he's just very he's dressed up as kind of you know these kind of judge robes and he's 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 very scary looking um, cuz he's got to deal with all all these kind yeah. of demons and and you know kind of naughty souls and so on doesn't he um but it turns out that um if you look at a you know a kind of um like statue of of yama often he will have a very small figure of the Guan Yin, who's the goddess of mercy, in his headdress. Oh. And the reason for this, this book says, is because actually he is the goddess of mercy. In, um, and the goddess of mercy is this very one of the most reassuring goddesses yeah. in the Pantheon. You know, Guan Yin, she, she gets referenced in the book, although she doesn't appear herself. Um, you know, she's she's I mean, it's in the name, she's very kind of forgiving, she's compassionate, you know. Um, she's lis- um, always kind of listening to the kind of cries of the world That's sort her of thing. Um, and um, and so she she's actually. Guan Yin, but in a, in a kind of fearsome aspect, so that she can control uh, the Wonderworld uh. And I remember like thinking, well, like this is amazing. I've never heard this before. Obviously, you know, I'm sure it's one of these beliefs that like um, vary from place to yeah. place. It's a bit like, say, with Greek mythology, you know, in different places, people yeah. believe, believe different things. But um, I just thought that was really cool.
0: I think that is. I I love stuff like that. I have to say, you know, Malay culture and folk, it's not something that I know a lot about, but having read that, I fell down such a big like Wikipedia rabbit hole (laughs) of like Googling all of these, you know, these gods and these goddesses, because it's fascinating. And I love the way that you brought this into the modern day setting as well. I love that you really have got this crossover of the modern and you know these ancient beliefs I thought was so cool. And I have to ask, what what are you working on next? What comes next for you? Um, so I can't talk too much about it because I don't know yet if
1: I'm going to be able to, if people are going to get to read it. Yeah. I'm I'm working on something that is um, contemporary, so set in you uh-huh. know, our contemporary world. Yeah. And it's actually not speculative at all. So um, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping a, a publisher will pick it up and then I'll be able to talk about it a bit more. In, um, but yeah, it's, it's in a way, in some ways it's mostly, like Blackwater Sister, if anything I've done, that is quite different from Blackwater Sister as well, because I'm um I'm hopelessly incapable of writing the kind of similar kinds of books, which which is really what you're meant to do, so you can build your brand but I can't do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a fantasy, haven't you? You kind of started out with a with a real fantasy series. And Blackwater Sister feels from what you're saying kind of almost like a bridge between that very kind of fantasy-centric world into the kind of contemporary. I feel like it's kind of a bridge between the two. It's kind of got, like you say, it's a family drama, but it's also got magic in there. Yeah, although it's also, it's kind of a return
1: to my roots in that my very first book was actually a short story collection, which was published in Malaysia first and then got released and ah. re-released in an expanded, expanded edition last year in the US. And is now getting a UK edition, excitingly. Wow. Um, and, and it's called Spirits Abroad. And so if you like Blackwater's story, you, you like the sound of it, um, it Spirits Abroad is my you know, the one of my books that's the most similar to it. So it's um short stories, um fantasy stories, but they they draw a lot on Malaysian um folklore and mythology, and they're usually about Malaysian characters or Malaysian, um, or Malaysian settings. Um and um and yeah they they there a lot of them are in this kind of contemporary setting and and what I describe as kind of, you know, like Asian woman encounters supernatural creature, which is actually a very common theme in all in all my books um and stories.
0: Oh, I love it. Oh, that word, congratulations. That's Thank you. super Thank exciting. You. I will absolutely be checking that out. That sounds incredibly cool. And now I'm thinking about your novel evening. Yes. And I'm pretty excited now. Um, I've got quite high hopes because I think you've got quite the imagination. So I, <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I'm going to come up with something good. <laughs> no pressure.
1: No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure it's going to be that creative, but there oh, we go. Oh,
0: okay. So we should start with, first and foremost, where are we going to go for your evening? So I
1: thought about this, and I thought, obviously, a fictional setting, because, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to imagine an evening out, why not go somewhere in a book? Um, And when I've considered this before, um, many fantasy settings are fairly hostile. You know, (laughs) it's a genre that has lots of wars in, um, you know, um, although... Thankfully, that is changing significantly these days. A lot of classic fantasy yes. series and novels, not particularly diverse. Um, so i feel a bit awkward in some of them. Perhaps, you know, Love Lord of the Rings might feel a bit weird in, you know, hanging out in Hobbiton. Um obviously not the kind of more recent movie Hobbitons where they where they have included yes, yep, the, like true. non-white elves and um hobbits and so on, but um still. Um so but one one setting that I think many kind of modern people feel relatively comfortable in is Terry Pratchett's Ankhmore Park, which is basically uh-huh. London at every point of history, all jumbled up together with trolls and werewolves and vampires and all sorts. Um so I, I think I go to Ankhmore Park. Like, you know, it's it's um Terry Patrick was a very influential writer for me. Um, and I remember coming across the Discworld series uh, in my early teens and thinking, oh, I didn't know you could write books that were really, really funny and where you could kind of spend like a few pages just making puns. Um, but also, you know, also kind of serious books, like, you know, books that were really dealing with big ideas.
0: Uh, his, I mean, his books just, they just cover everything, don't they? Like you yes. said, and the world building is incredible, Yeah, Uh, and I think your reasoning for going there as well I think (laughs) everybody anybody is welcome there yeah or
1: or equally (laughs) non-welcome
0: yeah (laughs) yeah. across the board turned away you know for any particular reason I think that's a I think that's very very fair um a good choice okay Okay, so are we having like a dinner? Is this a party there? What are you kind of thinking? I, you know, I'm going to go on a walking tour,
1: probably led by some, you know, either the guy who sells sausages, um, <laughs> really dodgy sausages, or maybe, uh, you know, one of the wizards from the, um, from the Unseen University, yeah. um, maybe Rinsman. Um. Yeah, I think I feel like I feel like Uncle Pork, a walking tourist, that's the kind of thing you do there, because it's the kind of thing you, you could do as a tourist in London. Um, yeah. And it's basically fancy London. Um. And then I would go for dinner. That's said, I'm not sure what the food, food in Uncle Pork is like. You kind of suspect it's like the food in London, but before London got good food. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, I think
0: that's probably fair. It would be an experience if nothing. I else. imagine
1: some kind of horrible, fancy variation on delete eels. You know, something like that. Mm.
0: Um, yes, yeah, so like <laughs> obscure-looking meats that you're not quite sure. Absolutely. They came from right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, or you know, maybe we could go. About. We could go for
1: you know. I'm sure they've got great. Like you could go to a great dwarf pub and get dwarf grub maybe that's that's the way you'd go for some decent food you know yeah. um, maybe avoid the vampire neighborhood ditto with like werewolf enclaves
0: yes I think going to I think dwarves eat well and heartily yeah so I, I think lots faster. of meat not
1: a lot of veg but no. maybe you can get a salad the next day no not a,
0: whole, a lot of like mead and ales right
1: exactly <laughs> coughing coughing
0: yeah okay this sounds, this sounds a lot of fun. So who's your first guest that you're going to welcome on your walking tour? <laughs> um,
1: so obviously you've already got some in-universe characters there. Yeah. Um, I somewhat eccentrically am now going to cross over to a non-fantasy setting, although I think he would take it completely in his stride. I'm going to invite Peter Whimsey along from um, Dorothy L. Sayers' uh, Mysteries mm-hmm. uh, series, because I, I've been doing a binge of Dorothy L. Sayers recently, and I think he would be very entertaining. He, he's an, this aristocratic detective. Um, he um, like uh, kind of plays you know this kind of man-about-town, Bertie Wooster role, but he's actually very, very sharp um and canonically he is uh very conscious of his social duties and um seeks to entertain even when he's really stressed so I think he'd be great company
0: okay okay like you say it sounds like he would take it in his stride yeah yeah, I think he would and I think it'd be a
1: great crossover actually
0: oh I like it okay okay who's next
1: well I'd also invite Harriet Vane who's from the same series um and she is a detective novelist who um gets um I don't know if you've read these books. I
0: haven't. No, they sound okay. amazing. Okay. No, they they're like they're I mean they're very
1: um, classic golden yeah. age mysteries. Um uh, but they're they're best known, especially in my circles, for so Peter Whimsy, you know, Dorothy Sayers writes these detective novels, and so she she writes them as essentially kind of logic puzzles, you know. So the whole the whole point is that you're supposed you as the reader are supposed to read the book, and you should you should have all the information you need to solve the mystery. Now I've never had a logic puzzle brain, so I, I read them for you know the other reasons. One reads Golden yeah. Age mysteries, which is like atmosphere, you know, like um, the characters, language, you know, all this kind of stuff, um, but. This is, this is interesting for a writer, right? Which is Dorothy H. Sayers. She's writing this series. It's getting increasingly more popular. Um, and then she kind of, kind of finds herself stuck. You know, she gets to a point where she's like, she's a bit bored of it all. Yeah. And she's a bit bored of the kinds of books she's been doing. So what she then does is that, but, you know, it's her livelihood. And she's doing very well with the series. Um, and it's got a real following now. So then what she then, then does is she decides to start deepening the characters. You know, she's like, rather than writing him as a kind of type, you know, um, because she kind of came up with whimsy, I think, as a kind of, like, this is, would be a great detective, like, you know, yeah. Poirot or Holmes, you know, I'll give him some, like, interesting kind of, like, eccentric traits, like he always wears a monocle, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I'll give him some, like, shell shock from World War One. Yeah. And, and then she kind of decides to kind of, well, firstly, she she, she decides she wants to get rid of him. Wow. So she then, the way she's going to get rid of him is she hasn't she has a mystery where she's like, okay, I'm going to give him A love interest, and then I'll just pair him up. He get him married off, and I'll sort him out. And the love interest interest is Harriet Vane, who's a detective novelist, and she's accused of um, poisoning her lover. Um, and um, he and Peter Wimsey falls in love with her and resolves to um clear her name. And then Dorothy says is writing this, and then she realizes partway through that Harriet is too like she's too alive as a character; she's very human, and she realizes that Harriet's in a very Difficult position because she's not about to accept Peter whimsy's um, you know, attentions because she's like, I'm not gonna date you just because you saved my life, you know, yeah. and and this has put like you know, there's a massive burden of in- gratitude and you know, massive kind of inequality, uh, between us. And in fact, she's very cranky about it and she's very rude to him, um, <laughs> you know. So so then that then produces, I I think, one of the like. Uh, most kind of effective um, and fascinating kind of romances in, in really detective fiction. Well, mm-hmm. all of literature, like, it, you know, it's got a massive following for a very good reason. And this kind of, their romance plays out over kind of around four books. Wow. Um, uh, because he's kind of like he's kind of pursuing her she's kind of grappling with this and she really values her independence as well she's you know and she's it's the 1930s she's thinking how's marriage going to affect that um so I I read these recently and just really really enjoyed them um and yeah and Harriet's a great character Peter whimsey's a great character um so yeah I, re- I highly recommend reading oh. those books. He um, sounds
0: like a fantastic character as well really kind of ahead of her time for when this is set. As well, yeah yeah I think you know to this day you kind of think it's
1: it's actually quite difficult to find books that really engage with you know in in a way the problem of romance for intelligent and intelligent independent woman I mean obviously our position the, that that position is very very different 2022 versus the 1930s yes. but some of the issues kind of you know they, so they well. still resonate
0: yeah no absolutely so we're going to invite her along Harriet's going to come as well yeah. which is coming as well yeah that'll make for some interesting dynamics
1: yeah right <laughs> um yeah but you know uh, it'll be quite uh, entertaining to to listen to their conversation another the thing sayers does because she's very erudite is um she just constantly has her characters quoting from books at each other oh, um so yeah. it can make her books quite hard to follow because yeah. of all the illusions and you know it's, it kind of assumes a familiarity with a kind of you know british education, certain kind of British, yes. upper class British education that actually most people don't get anymore including yeah. Britain. um but um but no it's 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 really it's really fun when you kind of get into the swing of things so those were the only two guests I thought of to be honest uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I figured we would then like be encountering all these other characters from yeah. this world so um I think ideally we'd run into the witches like Granny Weather, Weatherwax yeah. I'm a big fan of you know they might be visiting um out more pork. Obviously, we'd have to. We'd have to maybe get involved. Well, no doubt if whimsy is with us, there will be a dead body at the dwarf pub. Um, I think the dead body of an orc. Uh, not orc. Um, what's the ones they fight? Fight with trolls. That's it. It's dwarfs and trolls again. So don't get along. Dead body of a troll obviously turns up at the pub, right? Uh-oh. Creating a massive issue. And so Whimsy obviously has to, and and Harriet helps him in his investigations as well. So Whimsy and Harriet obviously have to uh, investigate, um,
0: and obviously the watch turn up, you know. um, You've got a very action packed evening. This isn't the most relaxing. You've got murder mystery, you've got dwarves. Well, yeah, having put the characters together, you know, I have a fanfic background, so it then then feels Uh... necessary to
1: then introduce some plot.
0: i mean i love it and you get to join in with this murder mystery yeah i'm just tagging
1: along you know nothing dangerous happens to me i'm not
0: interested in that. you're just in that you're just yeah you're observing what's happening right Right.
1: i'm like the watson right
0: yes yeah there we go i I think that's that's a good role to have you can just be eating (laughs) your your meat in the dwarf pub watching taking notes yeah taking (laughs) notes okay is there anybody that's really not welcome to your evening are there any characters or anyone that you say do you know what I really don't want you to show up hmm I should have given this some, some thought, <laughs> thought who's the
1: most annoying character I've encountered recently
0: so it's the rule that they have to come or that I just no 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 you don't have to have them so then yeah. we just make sure that they don't hear about
1: it we don't okay so this is ridiculous and it's not book based it's because I, I haven't actually given this proper thought. but The <laughs> most annoying character I've recently come across in, you know, in fiction, yep. in media, is the character Norman Price from Fireman Sam, the series. <laughs> i have a four-year-old, oh, as oh you God. know, and he's <laughs> obsessed with Fireman Sam on Netflix. Um, oh, and Norman is Price annoying. is so irritating. So irritating on every level. I mean, there's another really annoying character in that series called Elvis, um, who's like, the so like, he's oh, he's part yeah. of the like fire... Um, firefighter crew and he's like the stock idiot character he's like
0: handsome but dim isn't he elvis right yeah and he he looks a
1: bit like elvis and he's really stupid um so he's quite annoying but he he means he means well whereas like norman price has a really irritating he's like a little boy who's always create creating emergencies basically you know they live in a small welsh town um they need to be generating emergencies to keep fireman sam busy (laughs) and so the solution uh, the writers come up with is this incredibly irritating car- boy, little boy who's always getting in trouble and getting his friends in trouble. And so literally generating fires every other episode, right? Oh my god,
0: literally I think there was one where he like like was in a house and just like pushed over a candle, and I'm like, "All oh, right, children <laughs> alone." And he's this got this like, really
1: irritating, like scratchy voice as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't stand him. So he would, he would not be
0: welcome. That's so fair. I, I, as soon as you said, there's the dead body. Right, possibly, I've got like PTSD flashbacks of having to watch boys. <laughs> also, like. They always forgive him by the end. And I'm like, he's funny. He never, he never learns. He never learns and grows. Yeah, just naughty shit. There's no other, like, <laughs> that is what he is. I'm like, where, Like, what are your parents doing, Norman? I, I, I do wonder, you know, watching my son watch these. I'm like...
1: Does he notice how irritating Norman is? Because the kids don't identify with Norman Price; they identify with Fireman Sam, right? That's who they you want hope, to be. you hope that's well, yeah. Well, I I know I know it with my son because we um we got him like a little firefighter's outfit, yeah. so he puts it on when she w- he watches the series, and he like he imitates Fireman Sam. You know, Fireman Sam kind of does this with his kind of arms out during the yes. So that's what that's what my little boy does. He sort of sits there with his arms up. So I know that he's identified with Fireman Sam. Yes. But I'm like, what is Norman Price's, you know, what what role is he playing in the children's emotional landscape? Yeah. I this?
0: hope that... Do they, identi- Do they admire him? Yeah, everything you don't want to be.
1: Exactly, exactly. But who knows? Do they find him as irritating? Presumably not. Because I've, if, it, if I was watching this, I would no part, based on that character alone, you know, I'd be like, I can't be watching this. Like, even I though I was, Fireman Sam. Yeah, I can't yeah um he's incredibly incredibly (laughs) annoying
0: he's just a child so one would hope he's not hanging out at the dwarf pub anyway but he's certainly you don't want him like because he is that kid that would just you know you always get burn it down a drink there's a child that's there way too late and is yeah very annoying he'd be yeah you
1: know probably what would happen because i'm now like because i've inserted this what would happen is he would turn up and he'd burn down the pub so all the evidence would be gone um, and all the clues would be gone. And uh, and actually, probably what would happen is that nobody would know that he was the one who'd set the fire, so then there'd be various accusations, in you know, the orc community, yeah. the troll community, I keep saying orcs, I don't know why, um, the troll community would be saying that the, you know, the dwarves had destroyed the evidence, and dwarves would say yeah. that the trolls had set the fire as a kind of retaliation. Um, so yes, yeah, so that would be... And it was Norman uh, great... Price. It was crazy. Norman Price all along. He probably murdered the troll. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my god, I love it! I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, that was an evening unlike anything we've had. That was, that was an interesting one, but I like your reasoning. I like the fact you're not inviting too many people because you want to see who you meet along the way. From these, yeah. Well, parks. if you're in North Park, you've got to make the most
1: of uh, yeah. seeing the sights and seeing the locals.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much. i okay. finally <laughs> you go and enjoy the rest of your day. I have to ask if you're reading anything at the moment. Well.
1: This will be a huge surprise to people um, who've just heard this, but I'm actually reading The Nine Tailors by Dorothy Sayers, which is one of the yep. Peter Ramsey books, because what I did was um, four or five of the books are, uh, include Harriet, so I read all the Harriet books first, um, and then now I'm reading the rest of the series, which are just Peter and, you know, obviously all his mysteries, uh, his investigations on his own, um, out of order basically whatever I can get from the library um but I, I I am also reading two other books and kind of like different wow. so my kindle book so that's my like bringing it around book I'm reading my, my kindle book is um Hanun issues fake guide to dating by Aduba Girdar which is really cute like um FFYA rom-com between two Irish Bengali girls who start fake dating for different reasons of their own. Um, I am listening in audio <laughs> to um, Akala's, uh, let me get the title right, it's a really good book, it's called Natives, I think. Um, uh akala's natives race and class in the ruins of empire so he oh. reads this himself um narrates this himself in the audiobook and actually i massively recommend this um because i i feel like a lot of you know a lot of race books are either american or i have to say the ones that i've read in britain are like a much more one-on-one level where they can explain things in a very one-on-one way um for i get I think an, an assumed audience who doesn't know very much yeah. but akala's book i'm really impressed by because he's it's really like it's really like you know very intellectually rigorous really um and it's very much specific to the UK context instead of like ah, um okay. talking a lot you know a lot of books do talk about race in the American context yes. a lot um but this is specifically in the specifically in the kind of UK context talking about kind of UK history including recent history and you know kind of the origins of um kind of a lot of our attitudes now an empire and so on um, but it also and he also c- includes classes as part of his analysis which right. again is something I do see missing in a lot of, of kind of analyses of these issues and it's really interesting in general anyway because he the way it, you know it it might sound a bit dry how I'm talking about it but he presents it in a really interesting way and it's kind of a memoir so it's it's got that personal wow. connection
0: as well so it's I, I really rating it as well that's really powerful yeah
1: yeah so I really really rate that so I would recommend that to everyone I'm still listening to it um, and then Finally, the book that I have on my bedside table, <laughs> which is why like I, I finish books very slowly because I'm like Not jumping loads. so many, is um the Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri, which is a brilliant kind of Indian inspired epic romantic fantasy, um, uh. But- and again it's kind of got an ff um kind of ship between a princess and a kind of maid servant so i'm really
0: looking forward to
1: really getting stuck into that i've just started
0: that's one that's on my wish list actually so i'll be very intrigued to see what you think of it because that's one that i would i would really love to get to and and thank you thank you so much for coming and joining me thank you for chatting with me this has been an absolute pleasure i I hope you've had fun
1: thank you no i loved it thank you